0: I've just about had enough of you. I'm more the oh, man, got a machine. A man without a I am at your disposal with 187 other languages along with their various dialects and sub-tongues. Dialects and sub-tongues.
1: Hello and welcome to another episode of 50 Years of Shit
0: Robot with me, Stephen Murray and... Matt Brown. And today, Matt, we're doing yep. a big one. We are doing a big one, aren't we? Before Ooh. we get to the big one, though, what films have you watched this week, first of all? First question. Have you watched any of this week, other than other than the, the two we, we're watching for this?
1: Uh, yeah, I watched The Menu, and yes. then I watched the very grim BBC adaptation of Agatha Christie's, and then there were none, because they are connected.
0: I always loved And Then There Were None. I think it's, it's her
1: masterpiece. And it is it, so and good, it isn't it? It is. I mean, if anybody thinks that Agatha Christie is just like this airy-fairy kind of uh, crime writer that created a genre, she's not. She is, at the heart of everything she does, is very brutal.
0: Yeah, and I'd say that I think that the thing that I'm always impressed with is just the ideas. You know, the idea that there is yeah. a um, a murder that doesn't have a murderer for example or the fact that there might be a murder where every suspect is the murderer you know what i mean i think that she's just such a great ideas person she's doing it for the first time she was having fun yeah she's playing and what did you think of the menu le menu
1: i did like it i really did yeah Um, i liked it too I watched it with a colleague who absolutely loves seeing rich people get it And, um, <laughs> they do
0: get it. <laughs> they do get it, and uh, she loved it. I tell you what I saw this week was the whale. Oh, oh, okay. It's a really good film, though. Uh, and yeah, and I think, but I think that it is, it is a central performance. I think it's it's the film is in, is almost entirely brilliant because of his performance. So, as you so rightly said, we are we are dealing with a biggie on this week's episode. We've reached the 1950s. Yep. Which is all lovely and sleek and modern, isn't it? After, yes. It's after good. the greyness of the 40s.
1: Everybody is very hopeful and they're looking towards the future in everything, in design, in homes, in uh, TVs coming along. So and everybody it, what, is, has a future.
0: And is this because it's we're, we're sort of a half a decade on from the, the end of the war?
1: Yes, it's, it's post-war optimism.
0: film that we're looking at today is The Day the Earth Stood Still from 1951. We've also had a little peek at the 2008 remake. Um, Essentially, though, the story is that uh, a visitor from another world comes to Earth with a flipping great robot.
1: This is one of the first alien landings. Prior to that, there are several kind of alien-ish films, but not in this genre. So it's it's first. So he's not he doesn't symbolise um, Russia or any kind of
0: outside threat. So what, if anything, was the impetus then to make a, an alien picture? Well, we've just gotten over the war
1: and uh, a lot of the scientists have been split up. But also, there was something in the air as well from about 1944 to 1952. So, in 1944, Foo Fighters were first recorded. Okay. But this was a name given to flying uh, any UFO kind of thing. They didn't have the word, uh, the the acronym UFO, by the way. Right. So, anything that was reported by uh, pilots, they just gave it the name Foo Fighters. Then, in 1946, the ghost rockets in Sweden were recorded. And what were they? They were exactly the same as Foo Fighters. They were aerial phenomenon, as we'd call them now.
0: But uh, they, so they weren't. Uh, they were. And what what could aerial phenomena be? Uh,
1: we don't know. We still don't know. There's a bit of a, a resurgence at the moment of this. That in 1947 we get the big E, We get Roswell, uh, and the first use of the term flying saucer is used.
0: So Roswell is lots of debris found. Lots of debris. There was reports that
1: this, this metal, you could crush it and then it would reform itself. Uh, there was bits of metal that was found that were unidentifiable.
0: Uh, again, I'm just going from memory, but the the, the, the hypothesis is that it was a we- weather balloon? Yes. Yeah.
1: So the th- but- there's an alternative theory in that it was a weather balloon, but the CIA were quite happy for everybody to believe that it was something else to keep them aware from the truth, and the area that it was in, which was Area 51.
0: And what was Area 51 sort of, what was it doing? We don't know to this day. Yeah, okay, so so that, there's a mystery about what Area 51 is, and then people sort of filled in the blanks. Yeah,
1: and they were quite happy for us to do that, because it and, kept kept us, it, it was bread
0: and circuses. And what about the, so so it, it became a flying saucer sort of myth? In the press. And why why a saucer? Just the shape of it. But I mean, but, but what, how did they, how did, if it was just debris, how did they come to the idea that it was a saucer shape? They were
1: building up to this and there were, there were reports coming in of these saucer shaped items. Had so what, people, had,
0: people had seen them in the sky, yes. saucer shaped things.
1: So it had all built itself up and it kind of culminated in the press in 1947 with Roswell. 1947, they used the term flying saucer, and in 1950, the famous McMinneville UFO photographs are released, and they they look like
0: hubcaps. Okay. And were they hubcaps? (laughs) Probably. (laughs) 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 It's always the simplest explanation, isn't it? And interestingly,
1: 1951 is uh, the day the Earth stood still, but in 1952, the acronym UFO is officially used by the military.
0: All right. Um, so that's the sort of, that's what's going on in the world um, as people are sitting down in their cinemas and watching for the first time The Day the Earth Stood Still. If we can start at the very beginning of the film, we have a title sequence, which I thought was brilliant. I loved it. Not least because it feels like this is the first time we've had the music, this sort of sci-fi music, which has become such a cliché now. What's the instrument that's used for for that?
1: It's called a theremin. It's the first time it's used in a major score. It had been used along with uh, instruments like the Ond martineau which are um, the very first electronic instruments. The thing about the theremin is you don't touch it at all. It's got two parts to the instrument. Uh, they're two kind of antennas, and you move your hands around an electric field.
0: I mean, it's like I said, it's such a cliche, that kind of music now. It like, became it, a
1: one-trick pony. It was like it became that was the music for, uh, for, for aliens. But the thing that Bernard Herrmann was trying to do, he was trying to score something that doesn't exist. He was trying to score uh, music for an alien uh, and for an alien encounter. And and I think that is that must have been a really difficult thing to do. So mm. he made it sound weird.
0: Yeah, I think it sounds amazing. I love it. And the fact that it did, it sort of basically he he basically created a genre, didn't he? When he, he did. made that, that feels like it's slightly mirrored. That that idea that it, that this is new and really sets the bar very high for f- films that that come after this. In terms of like the opening shots, the opening shots again feel so cliched now. But I would imagine that it was just, that's only because they were copied so much afterwards. I'm talking about, you know, you've got, so it's a a film about aliens and the first few shots are are the um, people on Earth discovering that something is headed towards Earth. And so it's shots of um, radars moving and it's shots of sort of scientists in in rooms with headphones on and and big machines with whirly things in the background while they're they're trying to you know uh, analyze the the data that they've got and it's got lo- it's got so many lovely things that then become cliche in in film but but things like traveling around the world and seeing different newscasters around the world you know basically all broadcasting the same bit of information that again is such a massive cliche now but i think just would have looked so cool and I've just written down here, why is the news presenter wearing a hat?
1: Oh, come on. It's very hattage. <laughs> so much. I think we created that word. So we may hats. as
0: well use it. <laughs> I love the fact. I mean, someone like waking up from a coma, from, who, who went into a coma in the 1950s, they must think, <laughs> where the hell have all the hats gone?
1: Or if he wakes up from his coma, he's going to go, where's, where's my hat? Where is my hat he still doing this on the table. Oh no, you can not see what I'm doing.
0: But he would be surely if you were in a coma in the 50s you would be you'd go into a coma in wearing your hat, wouldn't you? Yeah, of course you yeah, would. of course you would. Um and we we pretty soon into the film get the the first sort of visual effect shots of the um the flying saucer as it yeah. enters earth's atmosphere and can be seen by the inhabitants of, of Washington DC. Um what did you think of the special effects? Ah,
1: oh, the soundscape is brilliant, and the build up and the people staring and yeah, is wonderful
0: but it feels like ten years on from or well fifteen years on from Flash Gordon, the special effects have significantly improved.
1: well the directors robert wise he's 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 treaded the boards, he's done his
0: bit He's he's and there's money in this film I think that the nice thing about it. Is that they recognise Robert Wise or whoever it was who made the decision? Recognises that less is more. Yeah, yeah. There's, it's like the shark. It's like the shark exactly. Um, and I think that so I I I thought the special effects was were were good as as the the ship lands and then when the ship is in situ, I think the ship's really nice as well. Oh, it's beautiful. I love the ship. Yeah, seamless. Just just to explain a bit more about that. The design of the spaceship. They
1: wanted the spaceship, and I think they achieved that with the spaceship and Gort to be made out of like the one piece of fluid type metal. And what do you know what it was that motivated that decision? Just to make it look utterly alien. It mm. looks
0: wonderful. And and then we get our first view of the alien um, who is called Klaatu. Klaatu basically appears from this ship. I love this so much. He appears he appears from the ship, and there's 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 obviously there's lots of people, lots of earthlings looking looking, you know, what's going on, and there's lots of army people there with uh, their fingers on triggers, you know, pointing at the at the alien ship. No one knows quite whether they the, the aliens are going to be friendly or not. And Klaatu appears and one of the first things he does is he reaches into his, his costume, his alien outfit, and pulls out a very gun gunny looking thing. And spiky po- gunny. <laughs> a spiky gunny thing. And points it at the earthlings. And then when when somebody fires at him and and, and causes the the spiky gunny thing to to smash to the ground and, and break and he, he says uh that the 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 spiky gunny thing was a gift for the president that would have enabled him to study life on the other planets <laughs> <laughs>
1: by jamming it in his eye
0: <laughs> but i love that that it's sort of like he basically like really sort of condescendingly sort of like Telling us off for our first reaction being to, to gun him down, but it's like, well, don't make it look like a gun, then, you <laughs> fool. <laughs> what were you expecting? You've come down here to warn us. You know what we like, and you whip that <laughs> out, pointed yeah, at us. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. As we later find out, he has come to Earth basically because we're so gun happy, and yeah. we're, you know. So it's like, what the hell did you expect, you great Klaatu nobber? Yeah, you big yeah <laughs> <laughs> but I thought that was very funny and then when Klaatu is gunned down then we, we see I mean the the reason that we're here really yeah. we, we see Gort he appears yeah for the first time <laughs> <laughs> that's very good <laughs> very good um, and he I mean he looks very imposing I suppose doesn't he
1: He does, because he's played... He is a a suit with a (laughs) seven-foot, seven-inch-tall actor in it who did not like the experience, because it was incredibly claustrophobic. There is one scene where uh, Gort is going towards the actress, and you can just see the air holes underneath. Oh, really? It does look like it's it's part of the design, but you do glimpse them.
0: So, again... You've mentioned this before, but it's probably worth mentioning now that the the design for Gort was supposed to be fluid, like the ship. Is that right? Yes, but it it, it he's just creases. <laughs> he does crease, doesn't he? Does he does crease. I know. He I creases know. at the joints. Yeah, his little his little silver leather trousers.
1: Yeah, they do. And he was padded as well, so the poor guy inside was boiling. Apparently they would they would have a, the suit open at the back mm. if it was a forward shot so that he was he was getting a bit of air in.
0: What's amazing is that I've just uh, finished reading Anthony Daniels' uh, sort of autobiography of of his experiences C three PO, and what comes across loud and clear is is that is how much torture you are put through if you're a performer and you've got to wear a a sort of like a full full on suit like that. Um, and this is 51, and Star Wars is 77, and it feels like there's just been no, yeah. <laughs> there's been no advancement in the technology. I mean, he was saying, Anthony Daniels was saying that that they used to do that same trick where they would, they'd have a have a version of C3PO that was backless, mm-hmm. so that he could get a bit of a bit of air. But it's, I mean, it's a, it's just, and you sort of think with all of that. I mean, I'm thinking back to the Tin Man in Wizard of Oz, who the first actor was nearly killed because of the makeup that they that they used yeah feels like you are taking a massive health risk by (laughs) agreeing to become a robot in a in a film in hollywood and i wonder if that gives the uh, gives the performance anything no i think i think c3po he i think he's
1: instructed by the restriction
0: yeah it feels like he is yeah yeah and it kind of works, doesn't it, I think, really, really yeah. well in that in that sense, despite all the, the horrible discomfort that, that he had making that. But I can imagine that this would have been hideous.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Playing and he's Gort. seven foot seven inches tall and he's got to walk in that outfit.
0: Yeah. And it does look... I mean, again, it's so hard as a, as a, as a 2023 person watching this. I'd never seen this before. This was the first time I'd, I'd seen it in full. And it just looks a bit silly, I think.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. Um, about- I think for me, when I watched this when I was a kid, um, I didn't like this film because there wasn't enough kind of robot action. There wasn't enough laser guns. It was uh, it's a cerebral film. Yeah, it is, isn't it? And Gort does an awful lot of just standing around.
0: He does. I mean, for the, for for almost the entire film, he just stands in yeah. one position and in fact they lock him in don't they in some crazy new in his own plastic, plastic. cupboard yeah he does have his own <laughs> plastic see-through cupboard that they create for him he does get to move and he and he does have some a moment of action um which it's i mean it's interesting isn't it because it's Gort stands guard of the ship while mm-hmm. the action while while Klatu is taken off to be examined by the uh, by the military. And then and then he escapes and then goes on a little journey of his own. So we, we're away from the ship for quite a lo- long period in this yeah. film. But towards the end of the film, we return when a, ch- when a child who gets to know Klaatu comes to the, to the ship and he sees and misconstrues the action of the robot, really, doesn't he? Well, because... he knocks two guards out. He does knock two guards out, but he does it further... <laughs> <laughs> he does it for their own good, for their own good, for the, <laughs> for the good of the planet.
1: Apart from the spiky gun thing, everything they do is benign because Gort disables the guns, but but leaves the people. When he first comes out, when he's protecting Clartu, he dissolves a couple of uh, tanks and uh, guns in the arms of, of soldiers, which they just sort of stand back.
0: Yeah. He
1: does kill two
0: soldiers does, later on. He does kill people, doesn't he? It's I think that is such a weird one. It's such a left turn in this because you do, you notice the fact that he he only removes the guns. He kind of disintegrates the guns, the weapons of people. He doesn't touch the people to begin with, and then you think, why does he then kill people? He's a policeman. Yeah, but <laughs> but why does why is he sort on. of brilliantly set up that he that he he's only getting rid of the the instruments of war and then he kill then he and and that he will leave people alone and then he doesn't and he kills people and then at the end we're told that he's bluming well a, psych- <laughs> a massive he's, psychopath
1: he's part of a psychopath army yeah so there's a scene in a cab where Klaatu is uh, talking to helen and he says i'm worried about god i'm afraid what he might do if anything should happen to me and she says god but he's only a robot what can he do without you? And he said, there is no limit to what he can do. He could destroy the earth.
0: And he the, says it yeah. in a
1: tone that he's kind of terrified
0: <laughs> yeah. of the robot. Yeah. I, I thought this was, I have to say, as, in terms of storytelling, I thought this was awful. Because oh. it, because I think it comes, it comes from nowhere and it sort of really changes the parameters of the story. And I can yeah. see why they've done it. They've done it because it's, they wanted to add some jeopardy to it to the final act of the film. But it just, it's so unsignposted because Gort is so benign in the first two thirds of the film for him suddenly then to be revealed as just this kind of like chaos <laughs> machine that if anything happens to Klaatu, he'll just kill everything. I think it's just really weird. But it is kind of, is it's kind of frightening. I think what they propose. It's terrifying. Hmm. It feels like it, it's got at its heart the that sort of Dawkins Richard Dawkins esque idea of God. In that, if you if you say that there's a God, then you have to accept that God as a complex being has been created. So who created God? Do you know what I mean? It's it like yeah, yeah. Uh, saying that there's a God doesn't answer the question who <laughs> who is God because there's always. A, a higher power, sort of thing, and it yes, feels a bit like that. Ad with, infinitum. yeah. That with Gort, it's like, well, if he's the police, then who's policing the who's policing them? You know, it's like uh, it's the, it feels like it's it's completely set up to fail. This, and yet they're the ones who are being judge and jury to to Earth. Yeah.
1: You mentioned God, oh yeah. So uh, Klaatu comes from above and lands. Yes. Yeah. he adopts the name Carpenter.
0: Oh yes, he does. He gets,
1: he gets, he gets, shot and killed, and then he's brought back. to Rises
0: life. from the dead. <laughs> My God, he's Jesus. <laughs> Shh, he's Jesus. <laughs> Spoiler. Wow, that's brilliant. I mean, yeah, that is. I I can't believe that I'd been so foolish as to not see that. I mean, well, the same here until now. So I wondered whether there should be a sequel to the day the Earth stood still. Which which focuses on the robots going mad?
1: Oh well, yeah, we've we've got that Terminator. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, so do we want to say anything else about that that one?
1: Well, Kla- uh, Klaatu Barada Nikta, Come on, we've got to mention that. So this yeah. is the
0: phrase that um he that that Klaatu says if if he if he is killed, if anything happens, to yeah, him. then then that's what you've got to say to Gort to stop him going just going, going mad. New.
1: Uh, And Patricia Neal was uh, she was bemused at this ridiculous phrase, Mm. and she was kind of uh, thinking, "Oh, this is this is just a low point for me and this film." And little did she know that uh, the phrase would be just repeated over and over again. And in the, uh, it's been used famously by Ash from Evil Dead. I think it's in. In one of the evil de- army of darkness. Good
0: words, right, right, right. Klaatu!
1: Barada, m- necktie, nectar, nickel. Oh, definitely an N word. In Return of the Jedi, mm. Jabba the Hutt's employees are named Klaatu and Barada.
0: Are they really? Mm. I really like that. And and do we know where it came from? Is there? Is, does it mean anything, or is it just? Uh, no, I think it's just gibberish. Just gibberish, just sounds nice. Yeah. Klaatu Barada Nikta. Niktu. Nikto. nicto,
1: Nikto. <laughs> uh, other films directed by Robert Wise are West Side Story, Yes, the Sound of Music, The Andromeda Strain and Star Trek The Motion Picture.
0: That is pretty impressive, isn't it? Are yeah. we saying that The Day the Earth Stood Still could have done with a few musical numbers? <laughs> oh, I'd pay to see that. A tap-dancing gort. Oh, wow. <laughs> That'd be brilliant, wouldn't it? So we watched the 1951 version of The Day the Earth Stood Still, and then just for just for kicks, we watched the, <laughs> the 2008 remake starring Keanu Reeves and Jennifer Connelly. Yes. I think that my sort of big take of... Of the the day the Earth stood still, 2008, which is essentially the same film, except there's an environmental angle rather than it being that the the alien is is there because um, they're worried about us launching nuclear missiles into space. They're basically saying that uh, Earth is a precious planet because it's it can sustain life, and we've we've screwed it up, and we don't deserve to um, to inhabit the planet anymore. And so Gort, in the 2008 film, basically is is kind of made up of nanobots uh, who then, he kind of releases himself into the the air and the nanobots basically eat everything.
1: And his name has become an acronym. So is
0: it a machine or a living thing?
1: It seems to be some sort of silicone-based hybrid. We're calling it GORT, Genetically Organized Robotic Technology. Military and their acronyms,
0: and that was not in the first film, was it? They've, they've no, it's, yeah. his, it's his name in the first film. Yeah, my sort of big takeaway of this film is that it's just so boring. One of the things I like about the first film is that, it, as you said, it rattles through the story. Does this this one? It just takes forever to get going.
1: And the first one is cozy. It feels kind of homely.
0: I mean, at the I suppose at the heart of of the the fifty one film. Is this idea that the that they're I mean he's they're so sanctimonious. Klaatu is so preachy.
1: The universe grows smaller every day, and the threat of aggression by
0: any group, anywhere, can no longer be tolerated. There must be security for all, or no one is secure. Now this does not mean giving up any freedom except the freedom to act irresponsibly. But do you think that that was, would have been seen at the time as as like, oh, we must listen to the wise alien? Or is it like, do one, Klaatu, because yes. you're doing yeah. my head in? <laughs> because I definitely felt that about the 2008 film. I mean, he's I so wrong as well, isn't it? His take is so wrong about about Earth. And the idea that you can... You know, you can just see all of the all of the ills, but but don't see all of the wonders. And it's just such a horrible scene where he's in the scientist's office and he listens, he, he hears Bach, and he's like, mm, maybe these aliens, maybe these humans aren't so bad after all.
1: I did like the James Hong scenes, where yeah. where they're they're suggesting there's been aliens watching us on the planet for a
0: long time. Yeah, and but doing he... nothing, doing. A, sweet fanny adams about the pro- the problem as they see it
1: uh, yeah but just falling in love with us and not wanting to leave
0: yes because we're so blumming great
1: i was when i watched it i was thinking is is that the guy from big trouble in little china yes, and is. everything everywhere all at once it is and there he is he's he's a workhorse he
0: is a workhorse isn't he you can't yeah. deny that okay so what did you think of let me we've got to rate gort let's could we rate him <clears throat> in both films what, um, what did you think of the 1951 Gort? I
1: really did love him, and I think the youth of that time really took him to heart. So he's he's not shit.
0: He's iconic, isn't he? He is iconic. And I think. And that- he's a
1: brave attempt at doing something. Yeah. Early and roboty.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think that the way he acts um, is is a bit. You know. To, I, I find it so hard to believe that he is. The sort of he will be the destruction of the planet because he's so lumbering and sort of clumsy. He
1: is, but he's broodingly sinister.
0: He is, and I did like the fact there's a because it made me laugh out loud when I saw it. There's a scene where Gort is is moving towards uh, Helen, who's the the sort of female lead, and he is wandering through an auditorium and he's sort of wandering through a load of chairs. Yes. I thought, Uh-oh. at last, at last, a, a robot who can <laughs> can navigate the chair. <laughs> the first one we've seen.
1: Oh, that would be so funny if he's taken out with not just a chair but a foldy chair, <laughs> a
0: foldy chair. Yeah. So I didn't, I didn't buy that. I didn't buy that all that they said about him because I, I don't think that the, the the reality of him matched the the hype. No, say. but
1: I did like his design. I love yes. the kind of the helmet, the visor, yeah. and the sinister kind of light that just flickers and licks and almost comes out of the visor.
0: Yeah, no, I, that was that was very good. And also, I didn't like the fact that he was a, a sort of a policeman, but there was a n- n- there was no regulatory system in place no. to keep tabs on him.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and, and where was Isaac Asimov in all of this? He
0: should have been there in the audience. Should he? have been. Should have been. Um, okay, what do you think about Gort in the 20, 2008 film?
1: Oh, so much of a lost opportunity. Uh, yeah, because he's just he's a composite, isn't he, of, of nanobots? There um, was some pretty good special effects in it. Yeah, I thought, when when the nanobots were released and they start to dissolve things like stadiums and trucks and
0: people. Yeah, that's true. There was there was there was some good stuff there. Um, and again, the the deaths that Gort caused in this. I mean, I'm assuming it's like runs to the maybe the millions.
1: Yeah, I mean, half of New York is dissolved, um,
0: and yet, you know, yeah. <laughs> that's not mentioned at all.
1: One death is a tragedy; a million deaths is a statistic.
0: That's right. Well, Yabu sucks to Gort. So, are we saying that the Gort in the 1951 film was good, and the Gort in yeah. the nineteen in the 2008 film not so good. No, okay, good, 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 good. Right, well, that's it. The Day the Earth Stood Still is a, an absolute monster uh, film in the pantheon of robot films, and we have just done it. We've done it. We've scaled that mountain. So that is it from us for another week. Uh, we will see you next time. Please tell your family, tell your friends. Don't forget to look at the show notes as well for episodes because there's lots of little added information um, that you can see in there. There's loads of back... Um, back episodes as well if, you, if you're just new to this podcast well, this is the 16th podcast there There's we've looked at films like uh, The Wizard of Oz we've looked at the Hollywood serials of the 1930s Flash Gordon and the like um, we've looked at um, the extraordinary 1980s British TV show Metal Mickey uh, so do check out the old episodes join us on Twitter and Instagram we are at 50 Y-O-S-R, that's at F-I-F-T-Y Y-O-S-R and until we meet again goodbye goodbye Klaatu, Varada Nikto